everyone, you're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. He's the most innovative, controversial, and bombastic owner. Cowboys owner, president, general manager, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is one of the great owners the NFL has ever seen. He is the face of the franchise. The only owner who is also a celebrity. Have we gotten too full of ourselves? Possibly. The largest cathedral to entertainment in America. Complete with a hole in the roof so God can watch his favorite team. Most valuable American sports franchise worth more than $1.6 billion. Been a team that has paid the most for the players. Jerry Jones won Super Bowls in 92, 93, and 95. I made a deal with the guy above. If he'd give me that third one, I'd never ask again. Well, what would Jesus say to Jerry Jones, the owner and the general manager of America's team, the Dallas Cowboys? Good question. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about some cultural icons. What would Jesus say to Kim Kardashian? What would he say to LeBron James? What would he say to Lance Armstrong? What would he say to Jay-Z, to Bill Maher? Great questions. Now, some might be going, Ed, that's awful presumptuous of you to think that you know what Jesus would say to these personalities. I understand your line of thinking, but in reality, I know pretty much down to the letter what Jesus would say because he talked so often to people like these individuals throughout the Bible. Back in the day, there was a celebrity culture. Jesus said some things, some direct things to people like we're going to talk about. We love celebrities. We are celebrity sick in our world. We like to see these people. And I've often wondered, I wonder why I like to watch celebrities or read about celebrities. Have you ever thought about that? I think on one level, when we see them, the way they act, the way they spend, the way they travel, what they say, do, I think in a way, we say to ourselves, I would never, ever, ever act like she acts. I would never spend my money like him. I would never do that or have that tryst or betray someone like that. In a weird way, it makes us feel better about ourselves. Yeah, I would not act the way they do. I'm better. It makes me feel that way. But as I search my soul, and as I search my heart, and in this series, as you prayerfully search your soul and your heart, I think we'll see a lot of ourselves in these people. In LeBron James? Yeah. Lance Armstrong? Yeah. Kim Kardashian? Yeah. Jerry Jones? Yes. They act and behave and dance on a world stage. We don't. Everything they do is exaggerated. Our stuff, our dealings aren't. I would argue that they are a reflection of you and me. 
So this series is really a high conviction driven series. Yeah, we'll learn about celebrities. That's cool. We'll, we'll see what Jesus would say to them. But also, we're going to see what Jesus is going to say to you and to me. Well, let's talk about Jerry Jones. What would Jesus say to Jerry Jones? Jerry was born in Los Angeles, California. Jerry grew up in Arkansas. He was co-captain of 1964 National Championship Arkansas Razorback football team. From there, he started his own company. He got into, as we say around here, the oil business. Made a fortune. 1989, he was worth $150 million. It's no chump change. He leveraged it all for, I mean, a deal that is, is looking back ridiculous. He bought America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, for $150 million. A lot of people were up in arms after this deal, the way he handled Tom Landry, the way a lot of people said he behaved, the Herschel Walker trade, bringing in Jimmy Johnson, making deals for the triplets, Troy, Michael, and Emmett, always making deals. Now the Cowboys have turned into a 1.6 to 1.7 billion dollar team. Not a bad investment. 150 million, now 1.6 to 1.7 billion. Jerry Jones, who was once worth 150 million, is now worth 2.7 billion. Whoa. Then he orchestrated another deal as he built this beautiful, as Jerry calls it, stadium. <laughs> have you been to the stadium? I have, a couple of times. I've never seen anything like it. Relatives visit, take us by the stadium. And we do. Whoa, ooh, ah, it's crazy. Here's some church trivia, fellowship trivia. Jerry Jones attended Fellowship Church a year after he bought the Cowboys. He walked on stage and I interviewed him for an entire message. How about that? He was gracious, nice, gave some really good insight about his life. Some of his kids have attended off and on at Fellowship. Do I know Jerry Jones? Am I close to him? Do we hang out? No. Met him several times, sat down and talked with him on the stage. That's it. I'm not here to slam celebrities during this series. I'm not going to do that. God is the judge. I don't know if Jerry is a Christ follower or not. I pray so. I don't know if many of you here are a Christ follower or not. But back to Jerry. If I could sum up Jerry's life in one word, it would be the word deal. He is a deal maker, isn't he? Some are saying, oh, Jerry Jones, owner and general manager, he needs to fire himself. <laughs> I don't know if he needs to fire himself. He can do what he wants to do. He owns the team. <laughs> we can say that all day and all night. He's obviously super talented, articulate, He's a leader of leaders. So whether you agree with what he does or not, 
that's your deal and that's my deal. Jesus would say, I think when he would talk to Jerry Jones about the deal. Jesus is about the deal. God is about the deal. We don't make deals with God. Let me say that again. We don't make deals with God. I say that against the backdrop of what Jerry Jones just said. I made a deal with the big guy upstairs. We don't make deals with God. God makes deals with us. We, though, don't make deals with God. That's very important you understand that. It sounds logical. You're like, okay, I can understand that. And then quickly we jump to Jerry Jones and go, the audacity of Jerry Jones saying he is going to make a deal. He's made a deal with a man upstairs, the big guy upstairs. I think that is horrible. Be careful. Ah, be, ah, yeah, be careful. I want to say that, Ed, be careful. We've all made deals with God. Look to your right. Look to your left. Look up here. You're looking at people who've made deals with God. I'd bet you some money, one of the first prayers you ever prayed was a deal-making prayer. You're in the third grade. It's test time. You don't know up from down. You're like, Lord, just give me a glimpse of Laura Patton's paper. She's right in front of me. She makes straight A's. And Lord, if you give me that glimpse, I won't cuss for like two months. You're in high school. Lord, just give me 10 minutes with this girl because I can ask her out. And if she says, yes, God, I'm not going to argue with my sisters for this whole year. Please, God. Then we get older. Lord, when the management team emerges from the boardroom, I pray they offer me this job. And I pray the compensation is, is massive. And the perks are unbelievable. And that office, that corner office, Lord, you know I want it. And God, if, if you give this to me, I'll tithe to fellowship. All those sound familiar, don't they? What are we doing? We're making deals with God. God, I know what's best for me. And I'll tell you what, you're, you're in my pocket. And I'll take you out of my pocket when I need you. And you perform, all right, I got the job, all right, I talked to the girl, all right, I saw Laura Patton's paper, thank you, God, good boy, put him away. God, I'm going to write my will for my life. I know what's best. I mean, seriously, I know what's best. You're the detached deity, you're the man upstairs, and, 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 and I'm going to cut a deal with you. I know what's best, so I'm going to write out my plans and I tell you what, God, I'm going to need you. So just initial this page right here. Because, yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah, thank you. I'll need you in a little while. We make deals, don't we, with God. We all make deals with God. Negotiating. Jesus would say, Jerry. He would say, Ed. Lisa. Susan. Laura. You can't make deals with me. The Bible, interestingly enough, 
is about a partnership. First book, the book of Genesis, God established an incredible business opportunity with man. He created man in his image. He said, basically, here are my terms. God spells his terms out in these deals, these covenants throughout scriptures. Everyone knows, you know, what God is going to do. He does what he says, and he says what he does, and then he says, okay, here's your part. I've initiated the deal. Here's my part. I'm God, and here is your part. And we know what our part is. Man chose to rebel against God. We messed up the deal. We screwed it up. And at this point, God could have said, too bad. I mean, you guys totally messed it up. You guys totally are in the deep weeds. Too bad for you. He didn't. God could have said, you know, because you sinned, you have to, to pay on your sin debt. See, we have a debt. A debt. I have a debt. You have a debt that we can't pay off through good works. We can't. The Bible says this. Now, we can either try to pay on the debt, and when we get to the end of our lives, God will say, you know, you tried to pay on your debt in your life, and now you'll try to pay your debt in eternity. And that, quite frankly, is what hell is. People say, well, how could a good God hurl someone to hell? God doesn't slam dunk anybody to hell. We make that choice. If we distance ourselves from God and say, God, you know what, I'm gonna pay, I'm gonna pay on my sin debt, God will say, okay, go for it. But we're in a tough situation. We're in a life and death situation because again, in eternity, we'll be paying on our debt. God, though, did something. He initiated the ultimate deal. He sent Jesus to live righteously, to die sacrificially, and to rise bodily, thereby giving us the sweetest deal in the universe. God gave us his best, paid for by the blood of Jesus. He's given us a free will. He never overrides, never overrides our free will. Isn't that great? He could, but he doesn't. He bought us back. He did the work. Christ said on the cross as he paid for your sins and mine, he said, you know, the deal is done. It is finished. So we have a choice to make. We either arrange and receive what Christ has done for us on the cross, his payment for our sin debt, or we pay on the debt. So we either have the sin debt paid for, it's been paid for, we either receive that or not. That is the deal. That's the dealio, as people used to say back in the day. You know, you can't become a Christian without even understanding some financial terms. We're talking about making a deal. Check this out real quick. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, look at verse 14. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, is a deposit. You know what that means in the original language? Earnest money. I'm telling you, God's deal is the ideal. Guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. Romans 6, 23. Romans 6.23 basically says the compensation for our conduct is 
condemnation. The wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. A forever place that we try to pay on our sin debt, but obviously we have a debt we cannot pay. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, no strings attached, no wheeling and dealing, the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. What do we do? Okay, God, I'm going to write out what I want to do for my life. I'm going to write out, God, what I, what I want for fellowship. I'm going to write out what I want for my marriage. I'm going to write out what I want, God, for my four kids, for my future. And God, just initial it right here. That's what we do. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. These two verses would be the life verses of our family, and it goes back for generations. I would encourage everybody to have a life verse. If you're single or if you're a family. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he, God, will direct your path. That is a highly caffeinated verse. The shortest path from point A to point B is a straight path. So my deal is I trust. I don't lean on my own understanding in any realm of life. So I give the totality of who I am to the Lord, and what happens? He makes my path straight. Man, that's sweet. Picture for a second a giant wall. I mean a massive wall. You got it in your mind? Okay, yeah. On one side of the wall, you've got part of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That's on one side of the wall. Now, on the other side of the wall is, and he will direct your path. God, the God of the universe, will direct your path. On one side of the wall, trust. On the other side of the wall, God is going to direct our path. Question. Where do we spend the majority of our lives? Where do we spend the lion's share of our lives? On the trust side or on the God side, telling God, negotiating with God what we want him to do for us? Mm. Yeah. God, I know what's best for me. I really do. Let me, let me wheel and deal with you. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a deal maker. I'm a negotiator. Yeah, I can. Trust, Ed. Trust with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me, and I am going to direct your path. Is that how you're living life? Or are you trying to wheel and deal with God? Someone told me this about God's plan for our lives. And here's, here's, here's the deal. Do you realize if God revealed to you his plan for your life right now, it's so off the chain that we would blow a fuse? That's how amazing it is. Yet, I think in my humanity, and so do you, that I know better than God. 
Now, God, when I'm in a tough situation, you know, all right, perform. Oh, thank you, God. I'll do what I want to do. <gasps> I need you, Lord. Beep. Here's what someone told me, though, about God's will. Check it out. God's will is what you'd want for your life if you had enough sense to want it. Think about that. But see, we don't have enough sense. Why can you say that? I mean, yeah, I understand. We're, we're intelligent. We're made in the image of God. We don't have enough sense until we have enough sense to trust then we see this off-the-chain, next-level life that God has in store for us. The Scriptures don't say, though, that we're without pain. Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. We're going to have problems. We're going to suffer in this life. God disciplines those He loves. He doesn't cause every bad thing to happen to you or me. We live in places, though, that are fallen and fallible. Yet, we try to negotiate with God. So, God is the one who initiates the deal. Another thing I want you to understand about this deal is, we have nothing to offer. I'll say it again. Jerry Jones, even though he's worth $2.7 billion, he has nothing to offer God. LeBron James, nothing. The Kardashians, nothing. 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 I have nothing. You have nothing. Billy Graham has nothing. Back in the day when Mother Teresa was alive, she had nothing. The Apostle Paul had nothing. St. Peter had nothing. Nothing. Isaiah 64, 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We can do righteous stuff, and it's good to live a righteous life. And, and, and when we receive Christ into our lives, when God looks at us, he does not see sin, he sees the righteousness of Jesus that has been imputed into our lives after we sign on the dotted line and that cosmic transaction takes place, the forgiveness and the grace of God is transferred into our account and then our junk and funk and sin is transferred over to him. Okay, that's, that's, that's very, very important. We do good stuff, but at the end of the day, we fall short. Only God has made up the difference through Christ. And that's the deal that he offers. So if we're trying to get into heaven by the performance plan, I'll pray harder, I'll give more, I'll be a good guy, I won't cuss that much, or I'll do blah, 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 it's not going to get us where we want to go. It's a relationship, and it's a situation where we receive what's been done for us. So we bring zero to the table. So for someone like Jerry Jones, for someone like you, for someone like me, that, that's a hard concept. Now, surely I bring something. I mean, you mean nothing? The Bible says nothing. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's from the inside out. The life I now live is in the body. I live by, here's the currency, faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's something else I want you to notice about the deal, about God's deal. God is the man upstairs. As Jerry said, he is the guy upstairs. He's also, though, the guy downstairs and at every level of life. God is in the locker room. He's in the boardroom. 
He's in the bedroom. He is everywhere. There's nowhere where God is not. So to say, the man upstairs, he's some detached deity, no, 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 no. God is, as theologians call him, omnipresent. He's everywhere. And he wants every part of your life and of my life. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, there's a weird story. Sometimes the Bible comes out with some weird stories. This is strange. I've often asked myself, why would this story be included in the Bible? It's a story about Simon the sorcerer. Basically, here's the cliff notes. The, the, the church is, is, is blowing up. It's growing. The Samaritans were considered half-breeds. The Jews hated them. All of a sudden, the disciples go, and the Samaritans are following the Lord. There's a guy in this Samaritan town called Simon, and he's called Simon the sorcerer. In other words, he was into magic and performing all these sleight of hand tricks, and he had a lot of people following him, and he loved the fact that he was the man. Simon loved him some Simon, you know. He was real prideful and stuff. I'm the man, yeah. Well, all of a sudden, the disciples come to town, and Simon's followers are like, whoa, this is real power over here. And they're coming to know Christ. They're getting baptized. So Simon's like, well, you can't beat him, join him. And you got to kind of wonder about his motives. I want to get baptized too, okay? He gets baptized. And Simon's, man, Simon, it looks like a disciple, a follower. Then what's happening is Samaria, Samaria becomes so popular, the big guns come in from J-Town, Jerusalem. I'm talking about John and Simon Peter. And you know Simon Peter, type A personality, he'd get up in your grill quick, Simon Peter. You know, he's, he's hot, he's cold. One minute he's saying, Lord, I don't believe in you. And the next minute he's the greatest preacher ever. That's what happened after he met the Lord and really got his life right. He's someone that we can all identify with. So Simon Peter comes to him. And Simon Peter and, and John, they begin laying hands on some of these Samaritans. And these people are receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, Simon's like, whoo, man, I want some of that. I can just touch these people. And then, boom, well, I like that. There's no telling the kind of money I can make. There's no telling the kind of popularity. He was on the ride of pride. So he comes up to Simon Peter. Hey, Simon Peter, come here. How much? I mean, five grand, 10 grand, 20 grand, what, what, what? Come on. I mean, Simon Peter's like, what? 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 Simon was trying to negotiate with God. He was overvaluing the resources of the world and undervaluing the gift of God. And what's so interesting is, usually the thing that we're negotiating with God over is the thing that will take us away from where God wants us to be in our lives. And look at Simon. Why was he doing that? It's the ride of pride. Oh, yeah, okay, that's cool. Okay, I can, have a little, I can have a little God in my pocket. He can give me the ability to just touch somebody and give them the power of, 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 of Jesus. Well, I like that. And then I can become more and more popular. I'm, uh, I'm not saying that we don't present our request to God. I'm not saying we don't pray. I'm not saying that we don't say, okay, I got a test coming up, God, clear my mind. You know, Lord, I need to, you know, help me to concentrate when I throw this pitch. I want to put it in the strike zone. That's fine. 
Lord, uh, I'm on this interview. Uh, just, just, just give me the strength. I, I, I just give it to you. I pray. I get the job. There's nothing wrong with that. We mess up, though, when we what? Try to negotiate with God, to use God for our deal instead of saying, God, it's your deal. And your deal is ideal. I want to fit into your deal. You don't fit into mine. That's the deal. That's the deal. So, three things right quick. And we'll be prepared next week for Kim Kardashian. Number one, stop in the name of love. That's right. Stop your dealing. Stop your dealing with God. Jerry, if you're trying to deal with God, stop. That's what Jesus would say. Don't, don't, don't deal with me. I'll deal with you. Hey, Ed, stop your dealing. Uh, no. no, stop. Just stop. And trust God. God, I trust you. I receive your gift on your terms, on your conditions. That's the first thing. Second, Accept God's deal as the ideal. By faith, just say, okay, I believe God. This deal is ideal, and I accept it. I know I'm bringing nothing to the table, and I accept that. Many here, many at all our different environments, need to accept and receive Jesus Christ into your life. Right now, you need to pray that prayer and ask him to come into your life. The third thing to do, we've been saying it about Jerry, fire yourself. Hey, Jerry, Jesus would say, fire yourself. Not from the general manager of the Cowboys. But Jesus would look at you and me, Jerry, you say, fire yourself. Fire yourself from thinking you own your life and that you manage your life. You don't, I don't. Because the moment, the moment, the moment that that happens, the moment we fire ourselves and say, God, I want to do life your way, by your will, on your terms, on your condition, so when we give up control, check it out, that's when we'll gain control. Jerry, when you give up control, that's when you gain control. And when you give up control, that's when you gain control. God's deal is the ideal. Because when we do God's deal, we'll win the Super Bowl every single time. Isn't that true? <laughs> bow your heads with me just for a second. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed at all of our different campuses. You know, I want to pray a prayer right now. And this is a prayer that I prayed years, years ago to become a follower of Christ. And I believe many here need to pray this prayer. This is between you and God. I cannot make you do it. God's not going to override your will, but I've got to give you a chance, an opportunity to do it. It's time for, I believe, scores of you to receive, that's right, to receive God's deal. His deal. What's his deal? Our behavior has distanced us from God. God made up the distance by sending Jesus 
to live perfectly, to die sacrificially, and rise bodily. And we can have that opportunity to know him by faith. The deal's been done, we just receive it. And here's how you receive it, by praying this prayer. Just say this prayer with me to yourself, and you will receive this transaction. Just say, God, I admit to you the distance caused by my behavior, by my choices, by my sin. And I turn from that, Lord, and I turn to you. I believe, God, that you sealed and did the ultimate deal by sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And right now, I turn from my sin and ask you, Jesus, to come into my life. I trust you with all of my heart to the best of my ability. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding anymore. I'm going to trust you. And I make this decision right now to receive your terms and your conditions, your forgiveness. So just think, as you're praying right now and asking Christ to take control of your life, this transaction is taking place. The deal's being done. I mean, the deal's been done, but it's being done now individually. Your guilt for God's grace, your foul-ups for His forgiveness, your sin for the Savior of the world. So God, I'm looking forward to seeing the paths that you will straighten up in our lives. And God, no longer are you a pocket God, but you're an all the time, every day, 24-7 God, from now and forever, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.